Our reading is um, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 20. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years, to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so will you be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. This is God's word. Well, good morning again. Uh, It is a pleasure to be back with you, uh, particularly a pleasure to be able to come and uh, share God's word with you. Shall we pray together as we turn to it? Our Father, you teach us here, among other things, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We thank you that what we have before us, an ancient text, an obscure text, is nonetheless a, a word from your mouth, And so a word of life and health and refreshment and comfort. 
And so, Father, please would you speak those things to us as each one of us needs this morning. Please would you again give us life in your word. Amen. I've been away for three years. Uh, Some of you I remember. Some of you uh, I've never met before. Uh, But uh, maybe the answer to this is in the last three years. What is your uh, proudest accomplishment? Maybe since we've met, I've, I've, uh, I've not heard of it. Maybe something a long time ago. What is your proudest accomplishment? Walking from Green Park this morning, I saw lots of people lined up on Piccadilly. I expect for some of them this afternoon, that's going to be their answer. A 10K run, never thought I'd do it. 11 people by this evening will probably be able to say that today was their proudest accomplishment. Which is a shame they're not our boys. What is your proudest accomplishment? It could be something sort of work, career, uh, the application that's been accepted, the exam that's been passed the promotion that's been gained, overtaking them on the career ladder, recognition, an award, this expert who says, good work. Just the job you've done that you know was brilliant work, and other people know it as well. Could be work, could be a more sort of personal area of life. He came and said hi to you at a party. You have her number. You married them. You live here. You've met your parents' expectations. You've exceeded your parents' expectations. It could be not something that's just sort of personal to you. It could be, as a church, our proudest accomplishment. I know some of you would have been at Revive three weeks ago. The co-mission churches get together. It's astonishing how that group of churches has grown over 15 years. And a lot of that is down to work this church has done. Three of those churches are direct plants that started from here. Another one going to Haringey. One of those churches has planted another church. You're a grandmother church. You don't look old enough for it, but you are. And that's because people here have worked and given money and looked after apprentices who've grown up to now run churches. And so as a church, as well as individuals, what is your proudest accomplishment? What would you say, I wonder? And the reason I ask is that Deuteronomy 8 that we've just had read would warn us that our proudest accomplishment is precisely one of our greatest threats spiritually. That those things that we've achieved, that we've accomplished, are precisely where some of the greatest danger is to our Christian life. The the highlight of the chapter, we'll get there later, but let's uh, just skip ahead now. Verse 17 and 18 You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I've done it. Look what my power has done. My strength, my hands, look what I've achieved. But remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives the ability to produce wealth. It's very easy when you're looking at what I've achieved, my hands, my power, my strength, I forget the Lord. I forget he's the one who gives me the ability I can do this. I've got this. My power. And so we forget him. Which is a big deal in Deuteronomy because forgetting the Lord means we'll forget to love him. These early chapters of Deuteronomy, murmurings of the heart. Here, Moses is showing what does it look like to love the Lord? That's the big command, chapter 6. Love me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love him. 
which looks like trust him, follow him, obey him, love him. And later on in the book, it'll be spelled out in the minutiae of life, what does it look like? But here, big picture, what does loving the Lord look like? What are the obstacles that mean we stop loving the Lord? And in chapter eight, it's the danger of forgetting him when things are well, when all is well. Just look at the beginning and the end of the chapter to see that, and then we'll uh, go through it more sensibly in order. Uh, Verse one. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, especially the big one. Love me. Be careful to do that so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Love me and there is life. There is abundance and flourishing and joy. There is life. Love me. And how do you do that? Verse two, remember. And it goes on through the chapter. Remember, don't forget. Remember, remember, don't forget. Because, verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Very starkly, as in the rest of Deuteronomy, Moses says there is life or there's death. Love the Lord and there is life. Forget him, and there's death and destruction. And Deuteronomy 8 says, remembering him. Especially when everything's going well, especially when there's lots to look at and say, look what I've done. Remembering him is how we love him, is how we have life. The chapter, as far as I can see, works in two halves. Verses 1 to 10, Moses looks to the past, the wilderness, the time when Israel had nothing. Remember, remember the lessons of the wilderness so that when you go into wealth, Moses looks to the future, you're going into a place of astonishing wealth. Remember what happened in the wilderness. Remember the wilderness so you don't forget in the time of wealth. Let's look at those two. We're going to see what did Moses say to Israel and then think for ourselves, what is the Lord saying to us? Israel, first, remember that God met your need in the wilderness. Remember. God met your need in the wilderness. Let's pick it up from verse two. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you'd keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you. Let's just pause there, to teach you. Most of Deuteronomy 8 is focused on what do you do in a time of wealth? Because that's where God's people are heading. But for some of us, of course, this morning, we'll feel more like wilderness than wealth. Of course it will. For all kinds of reasons. I'm at a place of no resources. I'm at my wit's end. I have nothing. I don't know what the next move is. I don't see a way out. Wilderness. And do notice what Moses says. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. The wilderness, not a mistake, not a dropping of the ball, not a forgetting where you are, not a being overpowered. The Lord led you in the wilderness. And he did it for a reason. To, he says, to humble you, to test you, to 
know you. The wilderness is so the Lord knows us, and it's so the Lord, verse three, it's to teach you. And so the wilderness, whatever kind of wilderness, it's not a mistake. It is the Lord's leading to know us, to teach us. And to teach us what? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. To teach you, it's not so much that you don't need the physical stuff, you don't need bread. If you've got a Bible, you don't need to have lunch. That's not the point. We know that's not the point because the Lord gave them bread in the desert. Verse 4, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't swell during these 40 years. It's not you don't need food and clothes if you've got a Bible. It's the Lord gave you those things. The contrast is we don't live by here's what I can accumulate, here's what I can succeed, here's what I can get for myself. We live by the Lord's provision. And so to hear the words from his mouth, to obey him, to love him, to trust, to follow him, that's where there is life. And the time in the wilderness was a time for them to learn that. Know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Know that the Lord was teaching you, training you, instructing you, disciplining you, teaching you that there is life from him. We're getting ready to go on holiday for a week. Um, It astonishes me at the moment how much stuff goes in the car for four people, two of them very small, to go away for a week. Uh, We're not yet at the point of roof box, but that's because I'm stubbornly refusing. We we don't need a roof box, uh, but maybe we do. I think we're going to be, you know, boot full, uh, bags on top of uh, laps, that's what they're called. People sitting on top of bags, just cramming everything in. It's ridiculous, the amount of stuff for a week away. And Israel had none of it, is the point of these verses. Israel went into the wilderness, not for a week, for 40 years. No roof boxes on their camels. He caused you to hunger and then he fed you. Every morning you open the door, there's lunch, great. Their clothes didn't wear out. They didn't have spare uh, changes of clothes. The Lord just provided that their clothes would last. Your feet didn't swell because your shoes were fine. For 40 years they didn't rub and chaff and your feet didn't blister and swell. You had nothing. Empty bags, no roof box and the Lord kept you. He provided and remember says Moses to Israel, remember that God met your need in the wilderness. When you had nothing, when there was nothing you could do for yourself, the Lord provided what you need. Remember. So you don't forget that God strengthened your hands in wealth. Remember the lesson of the wilderness so you don't forget in a time of wealth, in a time of prosperity, in a time where it's very easy to think, I did this. Remember the wilderness so you don't forget that God strengthened your hands in wealth. Let's pick it up from verse 10. When, Moses is now looking forward to the good land they're going into, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied... Oh, we've had that before. Verse 10, we know what to do. Verse 10, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. Verse 12, when you eat and are satisfied and you praise the... Oh, no. Uh, When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down and you praise the... 
when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold is increased and all you have is multiplied and then you praise the Lord? No, watch out, because then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You'll forget the one who led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. Forget the one who brought you water out of hard rock, gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors hadn't known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Moses says, very easy to forget. Very easy to forget that God gave you something when you had nothing. And when you have everything, very easy to forget him and say, I did it. Moses says, no, remember the Lord. You can't say that it's all down to you. I, um, I don't know if anyone gets the week. Uh, I like it. They read the newspapers, so you don't have to. That's how I figure out with the week. They sort of summarise everything that's going on. And uh, this landed on Friday. Two obituaries uh, in the week on Friday, uh, which I was looking at yesterday. Both of them, I think, make the same point that Moses made a long time ago. You can't say that it's all down to you. Whatever you've achieved, your hands, your power, your strength, you can't say it's all down to you. Uh, so, Gillian uh, Lynn. Anyone know who she is? Maybe, I don't know. A famous choreographer. So uh, Cats, that was her. Uh, Phantom of the Opera, she choreographed those. Uh, loads of ballet stuff as well, which I've never heard of. Uh, huge choreographer. Uh, recently, Andrew Lloyd Webber renamed a theatre after her in the West End. That, I take it that's, that's quite high praise, uh, to have a theatre named after you. When she was a child, she was a fidget, uh, apparently, according to this obituary, and her mum took her to the doctor and said that she's a fidget. She just won't sit down. She won't be calm. What are we going to do about that? And the doctor said, well, let me just watch her for a bit. And watched her and observed. What she's doing is dancing. She needs classes. There was nothing wrong with the girl, the doctor concluded. She just needed to dance. He suggested she take classes, paving the way for a stellar career. What if it had been a different doctor? You go to the doctor down the road, or this one's on holiday, you get someone else who prescribes Ritalin, or this is the 1930s, prescribes a good beating. Different doctor, what would she be? Of course, there's huge talent, and I'm sure she's worked incredibly hard, but she can't claim it's all her. A different doctor, what would she be? And then just below, Alan Longmuir. Uh, the Bay City Rollers. If you're listening to pop in the 70s, apparently they're the biggest thing since the Beatles. Uh, I'm afraid slightly before my time. Uh, but here he is, Alan, Alan Longmuir uh, was a, a plumber, actually a, a, an apprentice plumber. Uh, set up a little a band with his brother, a couple of mates, and they got noticed and they got huge. Huge. Three years ago they did a little sort of reunion gig, and one journalist said this, he looks like a retired plumber who can't quite believe his luck, which is exactly what he is. He looks back on his life. I'm sure there's talent. But he looks back and says, I can't believe my luck. How did we make it so big? You see, Moses would say, you can't claim you did it all. The temptation to say, my hands, my strength, my power. Now remember the Lord. Of course, that's what neither of these obituaries do. Neither of them remember the Lord. 
whose hand of provision is behind the doctor and the luck. Remember the Lord. Because if you remember that he's the one who met your need in the wilderness, gave you what you needed when you had nothing, then don't forget when you have everything that he's the one who strengthened your hands so that you could do it. Remember the Lord so you don't forget, says Moses to Israel. And what about for us? A long time later, uh, in a different place, although a similar temperature, I think, this morning, uh, to where uh, Israel were in the desert, what does the Lord say to us today, to the church? So two areas. Uh, There's three on the sheet. We'll take the the first two together. Really, they're the same. Uh, Blessing now and blessing in the future. What does it mean to remember the Lord in a time of blessing now and for eternal blessing? As a blessing now, uh, maybe it is the kind of the, the personal blessing. And the paraphrase of verse 17, my power, the strength of my hands have provided this wealth for me. The kind of things that we're inclined to look at and say, uh, my creativity, my intellect, my charisma, my drive, my perseverance, whatever it is, uh, my skills, my dedication, have provided this for me. Or more corporately as a church, the things we're tempted to look at and say, our, I guess it would be our sacrifice of money, of letting some of our best friends go up to St. Paul's in Haringey because we see the need to serve the gospel there. Our, our sacrifice, our work, the, the pain that we've paid, our sacrifice has produced this, not exactly wealth, but this flourishing, this growth for us. In those sort of circumstances, what does it look like to remember the Lord? Moses isn't saying, actually, that's wrong. He's just saying it's not the whole story. Do you see that in verses 17 and 18? You may say to yourself, my power, the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. It doesn't say, verse 18, but you haven't done anything. It doesn't say you have no power, no strength in your hands. What it says is remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Yeah, it's not denying your ability, creativity, perseverance, sacrifice. But the full story is that that comes from the Lord. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, or blessing, or church growth, or success. In other words, I think Moses is saying, don't be Bart Simpson. I said earlier I had the chance to do a little bit of Hebrew. I checked. In the original Hebrew, it does say, don't be Bart Simpson. Um, astonishing. Uh, but Bart Simpson, uh, in an episode of The Simpsons, he's asked to say grace. And uh, they're at, the, you know, at the dinner table, everyone has their heads down and um, probably hands together you know, in America. And uh, he prays, Lord, we paid for this food, so thanks for nothing. Which is quite a clever line, I think. Lord, we paid for this food, so thanks for nothing. And again, Moses would say, it's half right. Yeah, we paid for this food. You don't want to deny that. That would be ridiculous. We paid for this with our money, with our effort, with our work, with our sacrifice. We paid for this. And so, Lord, thank you. Because you gave us those things. And so you gave us this thing, this blessing, this success. Lord, we paid for this. 
And so thank you. One of our lecturers at Oak Hill had a project uh, last year thinking about resilience. Sort of a, a hot topic at the moment uh, out there, uh, thinking about resilience. And she wanted to think through what are people saying about what makes people resilient, able to keep going when things are difficult and stressful. And so she set out to read everything that's been written in the last 15 years on resilience. She has a slightly terrifying intellect. Uh, and she was expecting to find, you know, this sort of physical stuff, diet, sleep, exercise, that kind of helps you keep going. And there's some of that out there. But she said, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, what's being written is thankfulness. Being thankful is the difference between someone who can keep going and someone who can't. It's just simple things. Like a few minutes in the evening, when you're in bed, about to go to bed, just reflecting on some things from that day that you're thankful for. Every now and then, sitting and writing out a list of a hundred things I'm thankful for. And as, it, as the list keeps coming, as the list keeps coming, as the list keeps coming, apparently that helps. You know, big things, like health, stupid things, like custard, just writing things that you're thankful for. And the, the, the researchers have found, as they've uh, sort of done their research, it seems to have two effects. One is people remember how much good they have. We're stressed, we, we see what we don't have, but I'm thankful I remember how much good I have. And we remember it doesn't all depend on us which is a very fragile place to be, a stressful place to be, if it all depends on me, but remembering things I've received helps people to keep going. And Kirsty's point, very simply, is the researchers could have saved a lot of time by reading the Bible, which would have told them that. Actually, the researchers, slightly awkward, some of them, slightly embarrassed, who do we thank? It seems to really help if people say thank you, but who do we thank? In a secular atheist culture, who do we say thank you to? Moses would say, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord and thank him. Verse 10, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Praise him, thank him. Sure, it helps you remember the stuff you have and you've forgotten. It helps you remember it doesn't all depend on you. It helps you remember the Lord. It helps you remember that he has provided and he will provide and he is good. And remembering him, we love him. We trust him, we obey him, we follow him. And we find there is life. In blessing now, personal blessing, ministry blessing, individual, corporate, thank the Lord, Moses would say. There is life. And then secondly, thinking eternal blessing. Uh, after this life, in the new creation, which this chapter is pointing to all the way through. Verse 17, uh, sorry, verse 16. He gave you manna, uh, humbled you, tested you, so that in the end it might go well for you. This chapter is always looking to the end. It's looking forward, it's straining forward. Verse 18, remember the Lord your God. It's he who gives the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors. That promise from long ago to bless you forever. Blessings that make this chapter look stingy by comparison. In verse 9, they're promised a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. That's a blessing. In the ancient Near East, having those minerals just coming straight out of the ground, stuff you can do with them, trade, that's, that's brilliant. When Revelation later in the Bible describes the new creation, it doesn't say there's copper and there's iron. It says the foundations 
are decorated with jewels. The foundations under the city that no one ever sees. Let's throw some jewels in there anyway, because we've got too much, we don't know what to do with them. Huge emeralds and rubies make the gates of the city. The street is lined of gold. Not tarmac. What should we do with the gold? No, we've built everything we can think of. Let's just build a road out of gold. Blessings in the new creation that make this chapter look stingy by comparison. Make our proudest accomplishments, whatever they are, look tiny by comparison. And there'll be nothing that we've done, our hands, our strength, our power, just a gift. Thank you. Will be the natural thing to say. And thank you too for getting me there. Because verse 18 will be slightly different in the new creation. Remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, says Moses to Israel. In the new creation, we'll remember the Lord our God and thank him because it's him who's given us the ability to remember him. It's him who's given us the ability to love him and follow and serve and obey and trust him. You see, Moses knew that Israel wouldn't. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, but your hearts forget the Lord. And one day your hearts will fully turn from the Lord. Israel, Moses knew that would be the story of Israel, and it was. But then comes Jesus. Jesus, who comes into the world, leaving the city of gold and coming, spending 40 days in a desert, where he says to Satan, verse 3, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus, whose heart loved and served and trusted his God. Jesus, who went through the wilderness and leads us through with him and binds us to him. Changes our hearts in a way that Israel never had. Changes our hearts so we do remember and love and serve and trust the Lord. And so when we're there, gold coming out of our ears because we don't know what to do with it, we'll say to the Lord, Lord, thank you for giving me the ability to love you. Every time that I remembered you, that's a gift from you. Every time that I, I forgot you and I was starting to walk off and just be really impressed by what I've done, you brought me back to Jesus. Lord, thank you for growing Jesus' life inside me so that I did love you and remember you and obey you. And so I'm here. One day it won't be a struggle to remember the Lord, to not forget him, to thank him. One day it'll just be the most obvious thing there is. Because of where we are, because of how our hearts have changed, because we see him. Remember the Lord your God, says Moses. Says God to us today, remember me. Thank me, love me, and live. Should we pray? Our Father, we praise you for your provision in so many ways. We thank you for these stories in history. We thank you for the moments in our own history, as individuals, as a church, those moments where we can see what you've provided, those moments that show us again the kind of God you are. We thank you for your work in history of sending Jesus Christ to change us, to make us people who can do this. 
of growing his heart inside ours so that we love you. And Father, we thank you that he will hold us. He will keep us loving you, remembering you until the day when it's not a challenge anymore. And thank you that for eternity we will never run out of things to thank and praise you for because you will never be done showering blessing upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.